Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 126 of the Citric Session. I'm your host, Andy Whiteside. Today is February 13th, 2023. Um, Bill Sutton, I uh, got to find a different way to introduce you. One of our listeners made fun of me the other day because I talk about having a great panel. And then there's Bill. <laughs> he'll, he'll know. He'll know. Uh, he'll he'll know I'm talking about him when he listens to this one. Hopefully. I know so, who you're talking about too. I bet. <laughs> so yeah. I've got a great group, and plus I have Bill Sutton. Yeah. <laughs> Aww, Bill, uh, Bill's, Bill's wife would be proud to hear you see that you're going to switch it up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like she listens. <laughs> she has listened. She has listened, but not all of them. No, no. Of course, I've forced my family to listen a couple times, just for a yeah. few minutes. And, yeah, uh, they, they love it. They, they absolutely love it. Yeah. Bill, how's it going? Oh, it's going great, Andy. No where complaints. Where were you last week? Oh, uh, I know where you were. San Jose, California. Yep. Get trained up on some technology out there. Yep. That's a that's just a good way to segue and say this ecosystem is a really wide ecosystem of players, and you know you, you can bring a lot of lineage, all the lineage really. Uh, space back to Citric. I, I um, listened to a podcast over the weekend while I was washing washing my wife's car uh, from Cloudflare, and they were talking about this zero trust and this access through a portal. I'm like, hey, welcome to welcome to the game, guys. Glad you invented that. Uh, all right. So from the uh, from the from the um, cloud software group, I can't even make myself say that. Uh, side uh, on the Citrix side of the cloud software group, we have uh, Jeremy Myers back with us. Jeremy, how's it going? It's uh, it's going fantastic, going really well actually. And then uh, with you, we have your counterpart Todd Smith. You guys, hmm, you guys both have newish roles. I I think I know what Jeremy does. Todd, I have no idea what you do these days. Yeah, so I so I have a very different role right now. Um, I've uh, gone back to my roots and becoming becoming an account technology strategist. So I'm going to be focusing on uh, about a half dozen or so accounts in Canada. Uh, so I've got the Canadian federal government, um, mm-hmm. as well as uh, three of the largest healthcare organizations in Western Canada. Uh, so Canada having provincial health, uh, each of them are you know, kind of the equivalent of the United States having a, a statewide healthcare program. They do it on the scale of the individual provinces. Um, and then on the federal side, they have a shared services organization, which basically provides IT as well as a bunch of other services to all of the different agencies and directorates up there. So it's a pretty exciting time uh, in my career, uh, getting a chance to, to getting back to uh, interacting directly with customers and helping them solve problems and help them identify problems they may not even know exist. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, I don't know about Jeremy and Bill, but I'm jealous. <laughs> Just it's, uh, it's, it's to, fun times. Yeah, to be able to sounds go back like it. And get, to go back and get back to your roots and actually dig in and help customers solve problems using technologies that you've always known could help them. And they know it too, but uh, now to be able to actually go make it happen, that's awesome. Go ahead, Bill. Uh, I was just going to agree. I, you know, that uh, sounds really exciting, Todd. I'm sure you're thrilled. Yeah. I, I, back, so you came up this morning, Todd, and someone asked me the question on what account, what types of accounts you were covering in Canada. So uh, I'm glad you answered that question. I can go back and tell them exactly what that is. And, and I guess because you're just covering federal, and I guess the healthcare organizations would fall under federal in the yes. Canadian world, right? Right. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. It's it interesting. Public sector, just like just like in the United mm-hmm. States, where we have a public sector team. 
that covers both federal accounts as well as individual states and local governments. Uh, it's the same up in Canada, except it's on a slightly smaller scale. Uh, their government is not as large as the United States government uh, for a multitude of reasons. We can get into that conversation on a different podcast. Um, but I think there's there's a lot of similarities. And the challenges that are facing organizations like government agencies where they don't have the choice to say yes or no to what funding mechanisms they can utilize. And more importantly, they don't have yes or no to, to deliver some of the services. The services are guaranteed as a citizen of the country that you're going to get those services and you know, the government just has to provide it. And there's opportunities here to help the organization streamline, to be more efficient, be able to reach out to uh, healthcare populations that are all over the place. You know, uh, you know, Canada is a Canada can be a very rural country when you look at it uh, as far as population densities, um, but yet they still have the expectations that they can get those services wherever they are. That's awesome. Well, more importantly, it's good to see you on here, man. I haven't seen you on in like a month, so you popped in. Number and two things: one, I'm used to seeing the um, uh, the Irving jersey jersey in the background, so I'm in an office. And you have a super nice camera, so I, you've done something here. I don't know what it was, but uh, I see it's a, it's a different a high laptop. definition, a high definition Todd in the screen. <laughs> yeah, so it's a, it's a different laptop. It's not going through a uh, uh, so my home office. I have an Intel NUC uh, device mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. as a uh, fairly what I'm seeing now is a fairly low end Logitech camera on mm-hmm. it. Um, so those two improvements of going to or towards a better laptop. Um, you know, last week you guys were talking about the multitude of devices that you guys carry. Uh, I've tried to simplify it a little bit more and saying, hey, I've got a laptop that's uh, pretty decent. Um, you know, it was advertised as more of a gamer laptop. So it's got quality, better quality on the audio and, and video side. Um, but once again, when I'm connecting to a Citrix virtual desktop or connecting to a, a series of web-based apps, uh, I don't really need the, the high power on the endpoint until I start to do audio video, yeah. like collaboration tools. And, and even then, yeah. you may not need it unless you're going to be having certain types of meetings or like in this case, Correct. recording a, a podcast or a video cast. It, it is an interesting time. You, you guys went from one, one area to another. Uh, it is doing work in Canada and, and seeing the way the government acts there and the ability to think big, but do it on a, uh, a smaller scale and a, and a manageable scale and actually get some things done versus having, I don't know, a thousand different agencies all go in their own direction. Um, yeah. Keep us posted on how that goes. Yeah, absolutely. Well guys, um, we've decided for today we would cover, let me share my screen with you guys. You can see it. We would cover the topic of um, connector appliances. Um, Andy, this uh, this topic's a little bit of a Trojan horse, right? So um, it's a it's kind of a quick and dirty one. Um, you know, we've released the connector appliance, virtual appliance for the Nutanix AHV platform, uh, which is awesome. But you know, I think just wrapped up in this conversation is number one. You know, we've got this thing called a connector appliance. How is that? What number one? What is it? And number two, how is that different than maybe 
other kinds of appliances that sit, um, you know, in a resource location as it relates to, you know, Citrix Cloud, whether you're running any of the services. And then number two, um, you know, what's the future of these connectors and kind of what is the connector appliance for? And I think there's a lot of wrapped up in here. I, I think uh, I think one thing, Jeremy, on this is that the uh, the and more is really the that that's the you know they kind of hid that in the headline, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Because it's not just about Nutanix AHV; it's about a whole bunch of other hosting platforms that that you can use this connector appliance for. Um, because I'm pretty I, excited I, about that. I assume you can hear me okay. Help us understand where the cloud connectors. Was it called Cloud? What was the original? Um, what was the original name when Citrus Cloud came out for the connector appliance? Um, it was a gateway connector. I think was the yeah. original one. So we had the just the cloud connector. That has always been the thing when you were connecting a, uh, any sort of resource location, like DAS resources, you know, VDAs, things like that. It was all. It's always been the cloud connector. But originally, we had something called a gateway appliance. And for a while there, you would see, you would log in. It would be very confusing. You would log in and see cloud connector. You would see gateway connector. And then you would see this new thing. And this is what this article covers, which is the gateway appliance. And so at one point, you had all three. Um, now, they all had different purposes. And ultimately, the cloud connector has always been DAS. But the connector appliance replaces the gateway connector, which kind of a moot point now, because I don't even think it's in the interface anymore. So you shouldn't even see that option. So. What's the difference between the cloud connectors and the connector appliances in terms of functionality? So the cloud connector is is built and has always supported a DAS deployment. Whereas, so for instance, when you think about um, you know the VDAs that might sit in a resource location, whether they're in a cloud or at their on-prem, there's got to be some kind of communication between the VDAs um, and the Citrix DAS service. Now. You can actually architect it to not leverage cloud connectors. So that's what the rendezvous protocol protocol is for. But ultimately, um, you know, things like you know, the XML broker, um, being able to tie into an on-premise, you know, active directory, uh, being able to control things like, you know, your ESXi machine creation services and anything that involves tying into the underlying platform. Not so much with the public cloud because we can leverage the public IP um, APIs there. But um, if you're, if you're deploying a DAS tenant and you need to communicate with a resource location, you did that with the cloud connector and supported all the, the services you need in addition to things like a local host cache as well. So it's running a copy of SQL Express. And if you lose any sort of connectivity you know, to the DAS service, that cloud connector is also running that software as well. In fact, there's maybe 20 or so services that all run on that Windows instance, because that's what it is, um, to support you know, a DAS resource location. Yeah, and to add on, I think the biggest thing here is that it's uh, kind of flipped it over to become more of a Linux-based appliance. Uh, so you don't have to have a Windows uh, machine sitting out there uh, acting as a gateway or a connector. And yeah, does, so... Hey, go ahead, Andy. Well, and does the connector appliance replace all the functionality of a Windows-based cloud connector, or are there limitations to what it can do? There are there are limitations. So the intention of the connector appliance or even the gateway connector originally was to support things like secure private access, originally to support the micro app service, which we, you know, that's going into life, but it's to support the secure private access service. So being able to do things like broker web and SaaS apps through to a resource location, 
um, you know, even sort of a VPN replace where you're using the secure access client, but it was an entirely different use case. In fact, I think at the bottom of this article, um, it talks about that piece as well as supporting things like um, um, Citrix Cloud Hypervisor. So last year, we uh, we released cloud management of Zen Server, of Citrix Hypervisor, and that is all done through this same connector appliance, which is which is fantastic. But you still need, if you're going to deploy both, if you're going to do secure private yeah. access and you're going to do DAS, you're going to need both today. And so I think long-term, the goal is to migrate a lot of those Windows-based cloud connector services over to the connector appliance, but we're not there here. I don't know what the roadmap is for when that's going to happen, um, but there's certainly an appetite to get that done. So connector appliance is Linux-based. It's custom version of Linux, cloud connectors, uh, Windows-based. Um, the goal is to eventually migrate some things over so that maybe you just have one connector appliance to rule them all. So Bill, uh, have you run into opportunities to have these conversations? Uh, yes, where we've had uh, opportunities where we're deploying Citrix DAS and we get uh, the question about, well, what do I do about all my SaaS apps? Do I have to publish a browser? Can I use a different approach? Can I still leverage workspace? And and where we've run into those, we've talked about SPA and you know leveraging the the uh, the connector the connector appliance to uh, to handle those connections and how that works. I I think we've implemented it. Maybe I don't know that we implemented it on Nutanix per se the connector appliance that is, but I believe we've done it at least once or twice with SPA uh, in an on-prem environment, on-premises environment. You guys and I apologize to you and our listeners. I'm struggling with audio. I'm working remote today and I've found limitations. Of this uh, setup, I got <laughs> on. I killed everybody's video. I'm sure you saw that. I just saw um, that. Yep. So, so guys, help me understand what the like. I know Jerry, you made reference to this eventually replacing the cloud connector. Um, is is there ever a day where some of those Windows services can fully go to a Linux appliance, or is that is that the asking the impossible? You know, I I don't know, right? So in my head, so I have no, this is me spitballing here. So this is me not knowing anything particular, but you know, you're probably asking the same questions I'm asking. Like for instance, you know that the local host cache service is a SQL Express database that lives on the Windows Cloud Connector, right? So knowing that the connector appliance is a a Linux-based instance and can't run SQL Express, you know, what does that look like? And what is that engineering effort to move that over? You know, I don't know, but you know, that is sort of key to some of the failover strategy in the instance that you lose access to the cloud. So um, I don't know what the engineering effort's going to look like, Andy, and you know, when we might see that, because that's just one of you know many services that all run. Um, yeah, I was talking to one of my guys this morning and he was telling me that you know the LDAP implementation on like a NetScaler is completely different than how that works on like a Windows appliance. So, you know, there's lots of things that need to be sorted out before you can make a full move over. Okay. Todd, are you having uh, customers ask you about the ability to eliminate that Windows appliance, that Windows server from the equation? Yeah, yeah and, and it, it's primarily coming out a lot, coming out of a lot of the security conversations, mm -hmm. uh, because I think for the past, well, past five to ten years, the security uh, folks have have really been saying, don't put don't put Windows servers outside of a firewall, um, or you know, don't have them acting like a gateway. Uh, and I think that that a lot of times they they hear 
the words gateway and windows and things like that. And they get a little fearful uh, because they really, sometimes they don't fully understand what the purpose of those are, those devices are, or those appliances are. Um, so having a hardened, uh, you know, Linux device out there or some other operating system or some other type of device that's out there uh, can really kind of help put the security folks at ease. At the same time, you know, if you can reduce some of the costs or make it more efficient, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of benefit there. But yeah, we're hearing this from customers. Uh, we're also hearing it from some of our other um, ecosystem partners as well. Uh, moving away from um, some of the more expensive, more more costly to maintain uh, solutions that are out there that require, you know, Windows-based services. You know, the other thing too, Andy, is the connector appliance is so easy to deploy. So when you think about what it takes to stand up a Windows instance, um, you know, number one, you're deploying from Azure, but let's just say you got that piece down and, you know, you've got an automated way to push out Windows um, and you can actually automate a lot of the, that install, but I mean, listen, it's a Windows machine. And even though it's not sitting in the DMZ, doesn't need to, uh, there's still some security due diligence that's gotta happen. So what are the tools, the agents and that sort of thing that need to sit on the box? Um, I mean, it can easily take, you know, a day or two just to get a Windows box, you know, on the network, much less having the connector software on. And this is just coming back, this is just based on POCs that I've seen. Whereas this um, connector appliance is a virtual instance, right? It's a it's a it's a virtual appliance. Um, you know, it's been around for you know Zen Server, Hyper-V, or ESX for a while. Um, it's actually available on the public store uh, in each of the three major hyperscalers. Um, you know, Microsoft, Amazon, and Google. But once you've deployed it, and this guy boots up, I and mean, you connect to a web interface, and you enter in a a code, and you know, within 15 minutes, I mean, this connector appliance is online and connected back to you know your your Citrus cloud tenant, which is pretty impressive. So. There's less footprint. It's easy to deploy. I mean, this is where I want it to go. We're just not there yet for all the the cloud connector services. Yeah, I think the conversation is a lot easier if you're not talking about a Windows server that's handling all the the proxy traffic, if you will, or even though it's not technically, um, it does not allow inbound type access. It's more of an outbound proxy, you know, to Citrix Cloud. I still think the conversation is a lot easier if it's if it's not Windows, uh, for the reasons that Todd stated earlier uh, around maintenance and security and and other elements. So, ultimately, if if we can get to the point where we have some other operating system or an appliance focused solution for the connector like this, uh, that that essentially allows to manage all of the services that we're delivering, I think that would be would be ideal. Or in, or in the case of DAS, we just don't need the windows piece of the equation any longer yep so guys i think there's a couple elements of this article right it's, it gave us a great opportunity to talk about connectors and whether it's the cloud connectors or whether it's the the connector for secure private access types of scenarios the other is the the highlight the relationship between citrix and nutanix specifically mm -hmm. nutanix uh, ahb which is their hypervisor acropolis hypervisor not to be confused with aos which is their acropolis operating system which runs on lots of other hypervisors um jeremy todd are you guys getting the sense in the field that you're hearing more and more uh, positive conversations between citrix and nutanix Oh, absolutely. In fact, um, I'm pretty thrilled that this this release finally, um, 
So we're we're talking to our Nutanix peers. In fact, we, you know, I'd argue for the past year and a half have had you know lots of sort of joint you know engineering solution engagements, which have been fun to follow. Um, and so, actually, a little surprised it took as long as we did to get this piece out. But um, yeah, this is great because we're doing a lot with Nutanix. Um, it's widely yeah. deployed for a lot of DAS workloads. But you know, as folks are standardizing their you know hardware stack. Um, you know, this is one less thing that needs to live outside of HV. Well, yeah, and, gonna... I, and I think one of the things to add in here is, you know, the support to be able to manage these connector appliances through Nutanix Prism, right? So that's their that's their management console. You could turn around and say, hey, you know what? If I can manage the connectors directly from my Nutanix console, um, I don't need to go and have two consoles up and running or, or you know, kind of deal with a lot of the challenges of getting people trained on how to use both both solutions, right? So the more and more we see this common management frame framework and whether it be through the consoles or through the APIs, you know, that's going to continue to drive some efficiencies, some cost savings, and, and more importantly, some adoption. Yeah, and this conversation is really interesting. We're going to talk about, you know, public cloud or, or hyperscalers. And then we'll come back to the Nutanix conversation again and talk yeah. about, you know, whether you run one on the other. But um, you guys mentioned a while ago, I don't know if we have to go into a lot of detail, but the ability to run on um, public uh, cloud, public cloud, you know, somebody else's somebody else's data center run by Microsoft, Google, Amazon, um, you know, Nutanix, uh, well, I guess just any other Common, Jeremy, you kind of hit a logo, right? The uh, ability to just uh, go in and subscribe to one through Azure, GCP, AWS, and within a few minutes, it's up and going and, and off you go. Yeah, that's it. That's it. In fact, when this was first released, it was a virtual appliance that you had to import into each of these cloud platforms. So you could you could snag the uh, the virtual appliance from Citrix from the downloads website. And then there was a workflow to actually import it in. But now they're all available from uh, the public marketplaces on on each. So, you know, what's interesting is I didn't realize it was on the Google Cloud Marketplace. Um, maybe I just hadn't looked yet, but, you know, I've definitely deployed from Azure. Um, I know it's on the AWS, but it's cool to see it's also on the Google Cloud Marketplace as well. So, you know, what that means is, you know, you can search up connector appliance from within your marketplace and deploy from there or script it out if you need to. It's, uh, it's fun to see this world of all these promised abilities that we thought were just you know theories 10 years ago now becoming mm -hmm. you know you, you click a few boxes it deploys you know we're all old enough to remember deploying on physical hardware in our data center being the only option available mm -hmm. um, that's the days are long gone right. the, the next generation won't know they ever that ever existed well, well you, you, you know don't need to, you don't need to carry around a, a a folder full of diskettes or a folder full of cd-roms or a you know multiple usb drives <clears throat> you just you know, you pull them down from the marketplace. Um, and I think the the big benefit there is because it is on the marketplaces, they've been vetted out by the folks that, that manage those marketplaces, right? So they're they're supportable and they're sustainable. Um, and you're not having to go through that extra steps of having to import it, right? Because that was always the worst fear is that you go and import something and, you know, 99% of the way done, it would fail and you'd have to redo it. Um, right. You know, it's been it's been tested and it's become a lot easier. So, 
Well, not just that. So, Andy, you said something that I don't think you realize you said, but you got folks from a generation who are used to doing, quote unquote, clicking. And it's easy to go to the marketplace and click and deploy and things like that. But, you know, we've got organizations that are trying to automate some of these cloud processes. And the idea that now, you know, I've got an Azure script that's that I'm building that I can use to run to deploy a resource location. I mean, that is how a lot of larger organizations are are deploying. So, you know, the fact that you go to the marketplace is fantastic. In fact, I'd argue that most folks are going to do that. But, you know, occasionally I'll have someone come to me and say, hey, you know, how can I automate all this? You know, how can we tie this into some of our internal processes to where we can just define a resource location in a certain cloud and have it go out and deploy all the pieces that that needed? You know, here's a here's another thing that are just it's just becoming a part of DevOps for a lot of these organizations. So I scroll down, I'm looking at the what's next section. Uh, some of the stuff we've been talking about shows up mm -hmm. here. Uh, Todd, you want to take uh, first crack at covering this? And then Jeremy and Bill, if you guys want to chime in. Yeah, I, I mean, I think when we talk about, you know, what's next, and, and you know, I think Jeremy just mentioned it earlier, is the uh, the challenge of finally seeing some of these promises come to fruition and being delivered. You know, I think there's, there's a lot of questions about, okay, what are some of the additional things that we can run through this connector appliance? You know, being able to support multi-domain AD authentication, uh, supporting secure private access. Um, you know, IPS uh, is becoming more and more of a, uh, of a concern with a lot of organizations. Uh, and then being able to connect out to the Citrix Hypervisor cloud is an example, right? Um, Adding more use cases to our to these appliances is going to help us become more efficient and more cost effective for a lot of customers, um, and not only be more efficient and cost effective, but continue to maintain that level of security, and you know making sure that as we're continuing to to develop more and more features and functionalities around DAS and our networking uh, capabilities, keeping these keeping the, this whole connector concept alive and expanding and growing. So one of the things um, that we hit on here is multi-domain AD authentication. So if you guys are familiar with how Windows connectors work, um, you know, you've got to place these cloud connectors in each of the domains where you've got users uh, that need to access resources. And so, you know, what we've introduced here, this is pretty slick, is the fact that you can put a single set of cloud co or connector appliances in and have it um, have it cross domains, uh, which is kind of nice. So if you're doing SPA, you don't have to keep installing connectors just to support user accounts that sit in all these different locations. So that's kind of a big win in, in terms of reducing the footprint. But, you know, I love the fact that we're expanding this out to different use cases, you know, outside of just SPA. Or just you know eventually hopefully DAS, but you know we've got hypervisor here, um, you know SPA. Um, do I know what IPS is? I think I do. Todd, what is that? What are we talking about there? Well, I, uh, I highlighted the words Citrix hypervisor cloud. Mm -hmm. what, what does that mean? Uh, it's a service that you can leverage to manage your on-premise Zen server pools, hypervisor pools. So. You know, think of it like almost like Zen Center in the cloud, where you can push patches and updates out from a central location to all your, you know, your pools that are sitting in a location. It's pretty I, slick. I, I think. 
I thought that's what it meant, but then at the same time, I started envisioning this cloud built by Citrix as an alternative to some of the others, and my uh, brain just started spinning out of control. <laughs> <laughs> you turned it into something else, didn't you? It's, you know, it, uh, yeah, I did, and uh, who knows, but um, yeah, not, not I, I knew about the Zen server management from the cloud, yes, makes total sense at the same time. Just a, a handful of data centers run by Citrix running then server as a cost-effective alternative option. Um, that, that's where my business brain went. Somebody's shooting. <laughs> I think what you just did is turned us into a hyperscaler, if I understood you correctly. <laughs> it's what it, that certainly is what it sounds like, but uh, I would agree with you. Yeah, I would agree with you, Jeremy, that I think the, the multi-domain authentication piece here is really really uh, significant um, bringing, you know, bringing that forward into the connector appliance because we do run into customers more than more often than not that have multiple domains, typically from acquisition that they haven't yet folded in. Um, mm -hmm. And we end up having to deploy multiple connector appliances in order to, to, you know, enable access to resources in those domains, whether you're talking about DAS or whether you're talking about SPA or something related. So I think that's a huge, that, that will be a huge benefit when they, when they get that folded in. And then of course, if, if we ever get DAS folded into this, I think that will obviously be a, another huge selling point for it. Well, guys, I think we've covered this topic. Um, Todd, anything uh, on the Citrix front uh, or Todd's world that you'd like to bring up? Uh, you know, just keeping uh, keeping busy. Getting it's a great opportunity for us to get back out in front of customers and have something new to to have conversations about. Um, you know, certainly, uh, I'm looking forward to uh, the spring thaw and being able to uh, to to travel. I've got my uh, you know first official trip in my new role scheduled to go out to Vancouver in the next uh, couple of weeks, um, and then heading up to Ottawa. Uh, so, uh, give you a chance to go up and visit some folks up there. Sorry, Jeremy, anything we didn't cover you'd like to bring up? No, no. Um, listen, I think this is a fantastic topic. Um, and, you know, I, I, I will say this. I had a chance to chat with Barry and Moen earlier or late last week. And so just sort of spending some some additional time with Zintegra and uh, a lot of the things that we've got going on there. I'm, I'm pretty excited about your business and just kind of the future, what you guys got going on. So that's my world right now. Yeah, we've, we've been investing heavily in growing our team, and man, it's really starting to come together. Bill, anything on your side? Well, I, I would just say that I'm always happy to talk to Jeremy. If he ever wants to reach out, we can just chat. You know, I'm always happy to have conversations with him. Um, so don't just uh, you know, don't just talk to Moen and Barry. I'm, I'm here, too. Um, I'm also really looking forward to, as far as what Todd was saying about getting out and doing some traveling. I've been doing a lot more this year than I have in the past. And, and next week I'll be in Birmingham. If any of our listeners will be at our event in Birmingham. I will be there to get a chance to, to interact with some customers and partners. And we're really looking forward to that opportunity to really get out and, and mingle with uh, the folks that, that use our, our services and, and work with us. So uh, looking forward to that. All right. Well, I appreciate you gentlemen uh, jumping on here today. Hopefully my connectivity hasn't caused too much of an issue. I'm going to, I can't wait to go back and listen to see the difference between what I could hear and what the, what was reported up in the cloud. But uh, guys, I appreciate it and we'll do it again next week. Okay. Thanks, Thank Andy. You. Take care, guys. All right. See you guys.